0: Hey guys, um, so my name is Melanie, and I thought about starting some sort of podcast or recording after what I've recently been through. And I just really wanted to make it a little bit more personable for anyone who's lost a friend or a family member to suicide. And I never thought I would be in this group of people, and on December 22nd of 2020, my dad committed suicide, and I was the person that found him, so now we're skimming through two months later, and there's been a lot of struggles. Um. My mom, who has dealt with a very abusive, possessive relationship, is feeling some relief. And me, who has been a daddy's girl and has understand understood the struggles of my dad and his mental health, has... I'm sitting here wondering what I could have done more. Um, This is, again, my first time really doing this, and I'm really hoping that kind of making a diary through a podcast will attract other people in the sense of understanding what this can feel like, and the more and more that I talk to people, I know that People are understanding of the of this feeling that that I'm dealing with with my dad um, where to where to begin and what to say is really such a struggle um, My dad suffered with mental health my whole life as far as I can remember, and as far as I know. But every time, I always saw such a happy man. And I know that that is not the same case for my older siblings at times. They dealt with a lot more crap than I had to. And I look back at it, and I know that That's why we are grieving in different ways. I totally know that's why we're grieving in different ways. Because they experienced a different dad than what I did, right? So it's hard to distinguish and to try to mourn and grieve this man to us was all our dad, but was such a different person. Um, Back in September of 2020, after a, again, a lot of struggles with mental health, my mom and my dad had gotten into an argument, and my dad had called me and said, come pick up your mom right now. She's been gambling again, and I don't want her here. And what did I do as the child who keeps in contact with everybody I went and I picked her up. And that was when our journey started. Our journey started that day because that's the day that my mom started living with us in our home. So me and my husband, who have been married 10 years this summer, have four children. We have a six-year-old. We have three-year-old twins, and we have an eight-month-old baby. So, my mom moved in, which I was completely okay with. Completely happy with, because I knew she was escaping this monster that was my dad to her. Um... And we made her a bedroom. We made her comfortable. We provided her all the support that she needed. And then we fast forward a little bit. My dad is still struggling, as always. And he enters a rehabilitation center for mental health, which he has been to several times in his life. And it's a center that we fully support, and that we have fully grown fond of because it's helped my dad in a lot of ways in his entire life, as far as I know. So he enters this facility in order to, I guess, assist and help better himself and several times while he's there i called him and i checked in and i made sure he was okay sometimes i would get a call back and sometimes i wouldn't i guess it just depended on the type of feelings that someone with mental health felt at the time and if during that session or during that day he was angry with us or angry with me or angry with himself, or just not feeling it. So, during the period from November of 2020 Mm -hmm. up until December of 2020, I spoke to my dad at the facility probably about three times, and I maybe had left him six, seven, or eight messages and during that entire time i had my mom living here with us due to a domestic abuse situation and being a uh, being a young adult and knowing that your parents are hurt Or that they are in trouble is a is something. It's something so super deep and so something super strong to try to deal with. So the process of my mom living here was very meaningful and it was very opening on all ends because I finally felt like my mom was free. I finally felt as if she felt she was free and I finally felt like she could live the life that she wanted to live. So at the end of December of 2020, after some communication with my dad, I found out that he was graduating the program that he was attending Simply because he was, let's call, an alumni of the program. He had attended the program several times, and he had shown such great behavior and had shown such great progress that they were going to reward him by letting him out and letting him graduate, graduate, graduate as a as a success of the program and that was on December 18th of 2020 and on December 22nd of 2020 i found my father Hanging by suicide. After a couple erotic messages to my mom, who was of course living with me still, and a couple very normal messages to myself, my dad decided that there was no way out. Other than ending his own life. And I need to tell you something. Because. Even. In the shock of what happened. I was the one who found my father. And I was the one who. Made the 911 call. And I was the one who. Had to explain to these police officers and EMS and firefighters and make a public statement to the police about what happened. And at the end of the day, I sat at the end of my parents' and my grandmother's driveway and I said, You know what? Mom is free. And dad is free. At that point I almost thought that I understood. The suicide. I almost thought that I understood. What. This pain could cause. In order to. Make life better. But I do need to tell you that as. I watched the EMS trying to resuscitate my father. Which at this point now, I find out that he was gone before. And while they were resuscitating him, he was already gone. And I sat at the top of our stairs down the banister where he had hung himself. And all I kept saying to myself and to him was, Dad, I love you. Dad, I'm here for you. Dad, what about Julia? What about Violette? What about Sophia and Christian and Noah? What about Mom? What about me? What about Eric? What about Fransen? I named off all these people that I magically thought, would bring my dad back to life. And I named them over and over. For what felt like. A century. While they were trying to resuscitate him. But honestly. It it probably was 10-15 minutes. And you know at the end of the day i under- I completely understand my dad was sick, and I completely understand that that day on december twenty second of twenty twenty that my dad entered a peaceful place, a peaceful place that he had been searching for for so long. And he was reunited with his mother, and with his father, and with his brother, and with all of his faithful companions, his animals that he just loved so much, but I still struggle to try to understand on why, and, sorry, try to understand why us people on earth We're not sufficient for him. I will end this podcast here and I will try to continue again. I really wanted to test this out to see if it's something that could make sense and just kind of connect with some people. So, this is podcast number one. Thank you for listening. If you did, And this is in memory of my dad, Michelle Solvay. December 22nd, 2020. I love you, Dad. And thank you so much for listening. Hey, everybody. It is Thursday, March 4th. And I've decided to do another podcast called Losing Dad Saving Me, Episode 2. I have not yet shared any of these episodes other than with my sister, my brother, and my mom. But I've come to a realization doing some work with my counselor and doing some work with uh, my grief share group, through our cluster of churches, that it's possibly a good idea to kind of try to journal what I've been feeling. So since I posted last, really the main difference or what I've dealt with is I've actually um, gone to the house where my dad committed suicide and... I was the one who found him, and so a couple Sundays ago, um, I kind of had the urge just to tell my husband, hey, can we get in the car, can we go for a ride, and he said, sure, my mom has been living with us since, so I just told my mom, hey, we're going to go for a ride. She had no big deal, she watched the kids, and as soon as we got in the car, he goes, where do you want to go? When we got to the end of our driveway, I said, go to my parents' house. I just want to see how far I can make it. And he was worried. He kept saying, are you sure? Are you sure? I, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. And I said, just drive. And along the way, the same route that I took that night to go and try to At that point, I thought, punish my dad, because I never thought he would have committed suicide. So, on the way to punish my dad that night, after he left an erratic message to my mom, I called 911, and I said, you know, I don't think he would do anything to harm himself, but I think he's just kind of being silly, so... I want you guys to be there because if he is just doing what he's doing, I'm done with it. I'm tired. I'm sick of it. Um, I'm sick of him trying to reach out for help in such dramatic ways with these erratic phone calls. And I want someone else to be there. And so I was on the phone with 911 the entire time. So as my husband drove me along this same route that I took that same night, every house that we passed and every area that we passed that I thought I would never remember because I don't pay attention to detail. details. I don't pay attention to the houses on the road. I don't pay attention to what's going on most of the time. And that night I was in such a panic. I was in such a rush that i didn't look at every house on the road but that night that my husband drove me there the night i finally walked into the house since my dad died um i drove by my husband drove by these houses and i remembered at every point of the 911 call that i was at when i passed these houses and it was stressful and a few times he said you know let's pull over i don't think you're ready And I just kept breathing and I kept saying, it's okay, just keep going. I promise you, I will tell you when I've had enough. Next thing I know, I kind of closed my eyes, not sleeping, but kind of just closed my eyes and just tried processing what I was doing. And we were there. We were at my parents' house. And I stood in that driveway and I had a cigarette The same thing I did that same night as the police were starting to enter the house. And I butt out my cigarette early. The same thing I did that same night. And I walked into the house. I grabbed the key from my husband's hand and I opened the front door just as the police did. And I remember them calling out, Mike? It's the police. We're coming in. Are you okay? And I felt as though when I entered the house, I had to say the same words. I didn't. But I felt as though I had to. I didn't take the same trek that the police did going down the hallway to my mom's room and to the old kid's room. I didn't take that trek because I knew my dad wasn't there. And when I walked into the house that night on December 22nd and they were walking out of that hallway upstairs, they said, do you know where he would be? And I said, why are you up here? I already told you he's going to be downstairs. That's just where my dad spent the majority of the time. That's where he ate and cooked and that's where he watched TV and that's where he took care of the dog and and whatnot. So I was already in the house at this point, and I remember following the police as they were going towards the stairwell downstairs where my dad would be. And I'll never forget. There was two police officers, a woman and a man. And the second the woman turned the corner, she said, "Okay, okay, suicide attempt, suicide attempt." And I remember as I was walking towards the banister I turned around. I almost turned around as if, well, no, this isn't true. This isn't this isn't what's happening. And then I turned quickly back around because all I could think about was well, I have to save my dad. So the man at this point was already all the way down the stairs holding dad up and the woman police officer was trying to creep over the banister as well as she could and she noticed it was an electrical cord and she said is it live is it live and i was standing upstairs at the at at the banister where the cord was and i said no it's not live there's no plugs around here And I said, can I help you? Can I help you? And before she could answer me, I was already trying to untie the cord. I untied the cord from the top of the banister. And I remember them, you know, justifying and talking about helping him down safely. And then instantly, I turned the corner and went to sit at the top of the stairs. I had mentioned this in my last podcast of what I said, what I did. And I won't kind of relive that portion of it again. But um, what I noticed when I went back to the house is that, well, A, I thought it would be way more difficult. It was difficult, but it was difficult in a really weird, reassuring way. And I guess the most concerning thing that I have felt since then is that I haven't had much emotion about my dad's passing. So when I walked in the house with my husband, I walked in the same way as the police. I kind of did what they did. And then I went downstairs. I laid on the floor where my dad was laying like it was going to bring him back. And then I got angry at the stain on the carpet, which we've gotten the carpet cleaned since then. And and I was angry at the stain. I said, "Why is the stain so far away?" And obviously, most people know when a when a body is deceased, they release you know their fluids and whatnot and and we had to wait quite a while for a coroner to come in. so I was so mad at why was the stain so far away because at that point, Dad's head wouldn't even even been in that spot. so why is the stain that far?" you know, and, and, and my husband and other people said, well, maybe they had to move him to get the stretcher down or whatever. But, but I just didn't understand. I couldn't get it right. So as soon as I walked down the stairs, i laid in that spot, I had my cry. I walked right into his room and I laid on his bed and I smelled his, his sheets and I smelled his pillow. And I kind of just lay there for a second and I felt like I could fall asleep and have the best sleep of my life. I almost wish I could have just fell asleep in that bed just for one night you know and I touched his sleep apnea machine and I opened up all of his drawers and I touched his clothes and smelt his clothes and And I just, I felt so much peace just trying to, and I could feel my husband just staring at me saying, what are you doing? You know, like he's waiting for me to get a trigger to, but for me, it was just, I needed to soak it all in. I needed to breathe it in. I needed to be a part of that moment of where my dad last was. I went in the bathroom, you know, where he would have brushed his teeth last and, went into the sauna where he would have maybe sat last and touched the hand towel and went into the computer room where he would have went and and went into the living room and looked at the phone that he would have dealt with and uh, and then and then looked in the fridge and i and I did every step that I felt like I had to do to connect to a little piece of my dad and then instant I was like okay I'm ready to go and I ran upstairs locked the door so we left like it was such a weird feeling and since then (laughs) since I've gotten home I feel like almost the only thing I took from the house was the blanket (sighs) my dad had diabetes and his legs were often very cold so he always had a blanket on his legs And the blanket is full of dog hair, (laughs) of the dog that now lives with me that I've taken under my wing. Um, But the blanket also smells so much like my dad. So I said, you know what, I'm going to tell my siblings that I took it, but I'm just going to take it. And I'm just going to kind of get that little piece of home for, for, uh, you know, for me to remember my dad. And I'm going to take it home. And I took it home, and I told my sister that night, and I told my brother a few nights later. And I slept with that blanket that night. (laughs) And it was so funny because I woke up, and I was like, oh, I need to wash this blanket. As much as it smells like sweaty dad, and as much as it smells like my dad, it has so much dog hair on it that my eyeballs were just burning and just hurting so bad. So I was like, I need to wash it because it's just so full of dog hair. And then I was gonna wash it today, which has now been like, you know, almost a week since I've had it. I was gonna wash it today. I slept with it for two nights. And then it just sat on my couch because it just was not a comforting feel to me because it's so filled with hair. And then I put it on the floor to go and wash it. And the dog, which is my dad's dog, went and was just licking it and snuggling it and rolling underneath of it. And as of right now, I wish you could see him. He is has his nose buried into my backside. And this blanket is covering his entire body, including his face he just finds so much comfort in it. So I said, you know what? I'm going to leave the blanket for a few days. I'm going to let Cody find comfort in smelling dad and smelling home and smelling him and just kind of, you know. um, So it's just been, it's been a super weird journey since I (laughs) recorded my first podcast. You know, there's still days that I see my dad's, I see my dad's obituary on my wall on top of my computer desk and I I say, come on, it's not real. And even going there, you know, everything smelling like dad, seeing the fridge filled with things he liked and seeing his clothes everywhere. It almost just feels like He's, he's just there and I missed him. He's at the doctor's or he's at, you know, the grocery store. So I came home kind of almost feeling relief, but I, I I almost feel like I'm feeling relief in a terrible way because I feel like I almost tricked my mind into thinking that dad's still around. I just didn't see him this time around, you know? Um, the thing about death that I've realized, and especially an unexplained death, whether it's, you know, suicide or a quick illness or a murder or, or whatever, something that you just didn't expect, an unexpected death, I'm, I'm really realizing that it's difficult to try to find peace in understanding why they're gone, in understanding why you didn't have a moment or a time to say goodbye And all all that I know and all that I've been thinking about this last week is that as much as I feel a little numb to some of the comfort that I've felt by doing what I did and going to see the house is that um, I'm finding a little bit of comfort in knowing that my dad's at peace but I'm having a hard time struggling with understanding how you feel any type of happiness in that or how you feel any type of a good understanding surrounding that, A, that person is no longer there. And in my sense, that's my dad, my father. That my dad, who me and him had such a different connection than a lot of people. And had such a weird sense of humor, but we got each other. Over a lot of my adult years, I found myself, when I was in a struggle or if I needed advice on something... I used to always go to my mom, but over the last few years, I found a lot I was going to my dad, and it's not that I didn't appreciate what my mom had to say to me, because she generally had a very logical answer, and, and most likely the very right answer, but when I would ask my dad the same question, my dad had the right answer to me because my dad understood me i understood my dad because we were just so much alike right so it just comes to a place of i had a i i had i had a lot of good days over the last few weeks and you almost kind of feel guilty in a sense of like well why are you enjoying your kids and enjoying your family, enjoying the weather when your father is gone and you have to come to a realization that the world is still going on around you. And it's okay to grieve those people, but it's it's not okay to let that grief take over your everyday life. And if it does, let it take it over for a few minutes and move on. I think that's all I'm going to say tonight. Thank you so much for listening. It is March 4th. This is episode two of Losing Dad, Saving Me. Good night, guys.